Hi, I'm Elena, and this is Latte Talk About. And unfortunately, Chelsea is out, sick in bed, poor thing. But I do have a special guest on with me today. Her name is Allie Bird, and she is the author of Grief Ally. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm so happy that we finally get to sit down and have this conversation. Yes. I I mean, reading your book definitely opened my eyes to a lot of things. And it's by far one of the easiest reads I've had, first of all. And secondly, it's definitely, like I said, eye-opening about everything when it comes to grief and being somebody's person during that time. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying that. I was really intentional about how I wrote the book and I wanted it to be easy to read and easy to consume for you know anybody to be able to absorb what is in it, but also to be able to read it in a moment that you know, you're, you might be afraid or super anxious. Um, so to hear that it's super easy for you to read and that you did read it, it, it means so much to me. So thank you for that compliment. Oh, absolutely. One, it flowed so nicely. But it's you definitely pinpointed some things that for me, I would have never thought about. I mean, I've lost people very close to me. And even looking back now, it's kind of like, maybe I didn't approach people a certain way that I should have, in a sense. So it definitely was a good read to me. Good, good. I did have a couple questions that I would like to ask you. So do it. Okay, so we really like the chapter on what to say and what not to say. That's always a challenging topic. So you did like a great job explaining everything about that. Because it's kind of it's kind of hard. <laughs> Stuff gets thrown out that mm-hmm. is really helpful. Um, Absolutely. Just because nobody has said like, hey, actually, that's not helpful. <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Now, like I said a minute ago, like looking back, even when people were trying to acknowledge me for things or like kind of comfort me, not acknowledge, comfort me and things or situations I've been through with losing somebody so close, they kind of didn't do it in the best way now looking back at it. So another question that Chelsea had, she said, children experience grief as well. Are there any steps Mm -hmm. or things you would suggest for them? It's a great question. Um, I think in terms of talking about like grief and death, like we, we do shy away from talking to kids about it, like as yes. though we are protecting them. In reality, kids have questions and ideas and feelings that come up because they have experienced a loss in their life. Um, and I think what's most important is to just give them the opportunity to like have open lines of communication. Because not all kids are the same. Not all kids are going to wonder. Some kids will just like accept it and, you know, three years down the road, then they'll start feeling something. But it's really important, like at the outset, I think, to, you know, explain, you know, so-and-so has died. Death mm-hmm. means that when your your brain and your body, you know, stop working. Um, mm-hmm. So you you can't live your life. And that's what death is. Uh, and then because of that death, like you might feel some big feelings about that oh, and big absolutely. feelings are okay. And if you ever want to talk about your big feelings, like you can do that. And then different kids will, someone might say like, yep, that's that's cool. Thanks. And then go off and play. Other kids might be, you know, more curious about what that process looked like in terms of death and what what might come in the future. But I think it's really important to recognize that that kids do grieve as well. It just it yes. might look different than what it looks like from adults. There's a great quote that I like for many adults. Grief can feel very much like being in a river. And you're either in the river or you're out of the river. And for kids, grief is more like puddle jumping. 
So when they're out of the puddle, you know, they can live their lives. They can do lots of things. But when they're in the puddle, it is just as profound and turbulent as it is for an adult to be in that river as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. I love that. I do. I love that quote. I mean, for instance, I do have a little boy. He's five. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he hasn't lost like a human, but he has lost a dog. Uh, We lost a dog about a year ago. And he was obviously littler then. So I think it was until six months later, he really started asking, well, where's Dixie? What happened to Dixie? Mm. For him with Dixie, I mean, it took him a little longer, but every, you know, comforting him, letting him know that she's okay, but she just had to, you know, go because she she was sick. And every once in a while, he still asks about it, like kind of like if we're at my parents' house, because that's where she was. But mm. it was kind of just a simple conversation, you know, but it's, I mean, it happens for everybody. Absolutely. And I think the earlier that like children can be introduced to, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that like everything dies, right? Everything gets to live and everything dies. And that's just a natural part of the order of life. And what happens to living things is really important for, you know, making them really well-rounded humans that can adapt to losses in adulthood as well. Absolutely. So another, another question I have, Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, the one that I really like um, where and the one chapter says grief looks and feels different for everybody. And honestly, I couldn't agree more. Not last year, but the year before my fiance, Brendan, his his dad died. And when it all happened, he obviously cried. But after that, yeah, n- no tears, no nothing. So, you know, I knew to how to comfort him. But it was like people kind of maybe thought, oh, oh, well, he looks fine. When in reality, I know I know he wasn't in a sense, you know, and I just, I, I love that, that it is different for everybody. Yeah, we have this, this idea that, you know, grief is like, means the same as being sad. And that mm-hmm. couldn't be farther from the truth. Like grief is all about the energy that happens in our bodies when an attachment changes, an attachment Absolutely. to a person, a place, a thing, good or bad. That's what the grief is. It's that change in attachment. And then from there, you know, we can feel any feeling on a feeling wheel And Mm -hmm. we can also like, we can express grief as doing things and problem solving and talking about it, or it can be, you know, big waves of emotional expression. And none of that, you know, we, we kind of have this cultural idea that the, the crying emotional expression is like the right way to do grief. And if that's not how you're expressing your grief, then you're not doing it the right way. You're not coping with it. You're not dealing with it. When in reality, the person who decides to like, you know, take up a hobby and like dives like deeply into it is also grieving. They've just found the way that like, this is how I'm going to express it because this is what feels right to me. And the more we can remove judgment of like how people cope and adapt and survive with these significant losses in their lives, the better off we're all going to be. A hundred percent. Like for instance, in middle school, my my grandmother, she had geoblastoma stage four brain cancer. And so we were there when she took her last breath. But yeah. whenever it happened, we kind of rallied around and told funny stories. And I mean, yeah. we all cried. We were all upset. But I remember one story that we always told towards the end of her of her life uh, because of the brain cancer, she had a problem speaking. And so one night we had dinner and my dad ordered pizza and wings. And so we let her eat the wings. And then my dad comes over and goes, mom, are you done? And she goes, done. And my dad's like, okay. And takes the plate from her and she keeps yelling, done, done, done. In reality, she wasn't done. 
but she Aww. couldn't say it. So that memory, I rather think of that memory than cry, but that's just me. Like I do get yeah. emotional. I do miss her. Anybody that I've lost, my pop-up, everybody, but I kind of look at the, I don't know, maybe like a light at the end of the tunnel. Like it's okay to miss them, but it's also okay to think of the the things that you love to remember them by. Innocent. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, like grief is a hard, tough thing mm-hmm. to adapt to. So, the more levity that can be a part of that process, like, what a relief. What a relief yeah. to know that it is okay to laugh in those moments and to like share these like really funny, beautiful memories. Yes. Um, yeah, that's wonderful. That I think of that story all the time, especially <laughs> when I was reading this book. I was like, yeah. man, I'm just, you know, you just, Certain things you read, you just remember certain things. And this one, definitely. (laughs) The other thing that I liked, I just wanted to point out, not a question, but I love how you reference like losing somebody kind of like an earthquake because Mm. you lose somebody and then, you know, shatters and then the aftermath. Because like you said, it's kind of like you lose somebody, but then if that person's so close to you, your daily routines change your life changes, those dreams you guys had, they're just not there. So for you to continue on, you're always going to have that in the back of your mind. And it's okay, but it's okay to to be sad about it, but it's okay to to be okay to move on as well. But you'll always remember that person that's not here anymore. And I just love that. Thank you. I love that. And I think that that's a message that that really gets missed for those who, you know, have had the privilege of not knowing a loss that's like very like significantly close to them is that it's not just the person. It's like all the things that you and that person did together or had planned to do together, special places to you. And the things that you lose because you have lost that person, you don't get the formal rituals and ceremonies that you do when that person dies, right? Exactly. You get to have the funeral for the person, but you don't get to have the funeral for the plans that just can't happen because they're not there anymore. So those those secondary losses, those aftershocks that come from the primary loss, like I think it's really important that people understand and, and know about them because that's what keeps grief going on forever. There's Absolutely. always this this uh, relational understanding of like what is and what could have been, particularly, you know, if the person who has died was was quite young. Um, oh, absolutely. And had a future in front of them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, you see it a lot of times. I remember when I lived in Alabama, there was an incident where one of the friends that we all knew, he ended up going home. He was drinking and driving and got into a wreck. He was so young. He was 17. And it's kind of like looking at that. And all I could think about in my mind was like, he's so young. It's just, it's so hard, you know, in any aspect of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the the thing in my story is that it was so shocking that, you know, in my world, like people died when they were old. Yeah. But the reality is, is that, you know, a lot of people die when they are young. Yeah. And because we don't talk about it, because we like hush, like the grief behind closed doors, Mm -hmm. like these stories get lost. And then when another young person dies, it's wild upheaval. And rightfully so, it should be a wild upheaval. But to like think that these losses are, you know, statistically insignificant. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I think far more young people die than we are acculturated to be aware of. So it is so shocking when it happens, but people die throughout the life spectrum. Oh, absolutely. Um, Like you said, I mean, I I do agree with you that I think 
for me, the only people that I've lost have always been older to me. So I always mm-hmm. thought when I was younger that they're just going to grow old and then they're not going to be here anymore. But now yeah. like that I have witnessed other situations and you know, my grandmother had geoblast or uh, geobone, gosh, brain cancer. I can't say it all of a sudden, so sorry. But there was a girl in my high school that had it as well. And it's something that I did a lot of research you're born with and you don't get it to your later, but she had it and it, she was young. I mean, I think she was 18. So it's just, it's all, it all changes from a newborn to as old as a hundred. I mean, however old you live, you know? So it's definitely kind of like, like I said, everybody thinks that when you get older, but it can be any age. Absolutely. It can be any age. So I do also like um, how you said moving on isn't an option because Mm. I I definitely feel that. Like I brought up my grandma and my pop-up, like, yeah, they're not here anymore, but I still think about them every day. I still uh, think about the good times or or whatever time it was. Like I'm never going to move on from knowing who they are and what they meant to me. And for anybody to say, oh, just, well, yeah, they're gone, but it's fine. Like I don't, I wouldn't like, I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think moving on is one of the one of the cruelest phrases that anybody could ever like put on someone's grief experience after losing someone that they love dearly. Absolutely. Um, and the reality is is like, you know, that we talked about like the aftershocks and like the primary loss and like everything you're relating to in life and it's like the reality is, is that there are so many new stages of grief. Yep. As you move forward, right? You're not just constantly grieving the person you're grieving you know the holiday where where your grandma isn't you know like that specific holiday itself so I like to say instead of you know moving on like we move forward but in addition to that is that you're always going to feel something absolutely that might be joy from like remembering you know the great times with them or like what they you know the jokes they would have made at this family dinner or what they would have thought of this thing that you've accomplished but that can also be like you know sadness that they're not there for those things or anger that they're not there for those things Oh, 100%. Um, so it's just kind of this like emotional tension that mm-hmm. that will exist forever. So there's no possibility of being able to move on from it. Now, I asked you a lot, <laughs> but I do, <laughs> I want to know, like, I just want your view on the book. Like, I want to know more of what made you write the way you did and why you learned some of these things. Because like I said, reading this book, and maybe I'm wording it that wrong, but reading this book, it definitely opened my eyes to like a lot of things. Like how you said, how are you? is kind of like an open-ended question that you should be more direct. Like, I love you. The heart emoji, like you said, like, I love that. Because for me, like, I always look at, if I know somebody's hurting or something happened, like, and they're close to me, like, I am going to say, how are you? But maybe that's obviously now I need to reflect and kind of maybe pinpoint how, like, I love you, thinking about you, whatever. So I just, I, like I said, I love the book and I want to know more about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess I can, you know, I can start from the beginning. And that is like, my husband will died at the end of 2019 in a hiking accident. And so like, I was thrown into the world of grief without any understanding of what mm-hmm. it looks and feels like to live with a, a life changing loss. And I say life changing and that, you know, like, he was my partner, like we shared mm-hmm. a bed, like we shared a home, we had plans for the future, like, this was the person that I picked to spend forever with. 
And then all of a sudden he was gone. That was like world shattering for me on so many levels from having to figure out new life plans to also just having no idea what was happening to my brain and my body. Like every, it was grief happens without our consent and it is an involuntary reaction to change of attachment. And I talk about it in the book. Um, We've mentioned it here about different ways that you can express your grief. Mm -hmm. My way of expressing grief is to problem solve and do research and read books Rather than, you know, I like to know and understand cognitively what is happening before I can actually feel things and mm-hmm. actually like give in to the emotional experience. So I'm, I think before I feel. And so in the early stages after Will died, a grief expert, some an influencer in the space suggested that I go find community, that mm-hmm. I would be living now with something that is very different from that of my peers and to go out and find other people who I could like talk to. So I tried. I went out and I tried to join. Well, I joined 13 different Facebook groups for widows. But before I started sharing anything, I also, you know, I'm a doer. They're like, they told me what to do. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to overachieve on this. Yep. Um, (laughs) So I showed up and I started listening to other people. And, you know, 70% of what happens in these Facebook groups is people talking about how they feel abandoned and forgotten and misunderstood by the people around them. You know, after those first few weeks when the food is brought over and the funeral happens and the cards and the flowers are sent, then everybody kind of like disappears. And I wasn't experiencing that. The people around me were continuously showing up saying, you know, how do I help? I love you. I am afraid, but I am going to make mistakes and I am not going to abandon you. And it broke my heart that other people weren't having that experience. And I recognize that, you know, I have the smartest people around me. Like I, I truly believe that, you know, my friends are brilliant brains and wild problem solving skills and still like they were having to make it up on their own. And I thought like there has to be like death is like the only guarantee we have in life, right? Yep. Like death and taxes. Yep. Like it's not wrong. Um, <laughs> yes, so it's like why don't <laughs> you know why don't we have tools out there for people who are looking for them? There are so many grief books out there that are written for people like me at mm-hmm. like the epicenter of you know something really tragic, but in you know, the days, weeks, months after Will died, like my brain did not function like it used to. And absorbing new information was very difficult, particularly if I would have had to like sit down and read it. I looked around and I saw that was happening and I'm like, I need to like take this really privileged experience that I've had with the people around me and build a tool so that other people don't get abandoned after this really terrible thing happens to them. And that's kind of like my hope for what the book does is that it gives people who have agency after something happens because they are a bit further removed from it to quickly digest this information that's in the book. Absolutely. um, And then be able to apply it to the people that they love. And I think by doing that, by following the lessons in the book and the roadmap that it offers, that people who are bereaved won't feel abandoned and they won't have to go out and find community where they can, you know, vent about the poor treatment that they're receiving because their own community can shift and grow and change 
as they need it to, to support them as they, you know, figure out how to live with this significant loss in their life. Like I said before, I love the book. It was easy to read. And I, I mean, very eye-opening. I think one of my favorite parts of the book was the grape story. Yeah. I, <laughs> I love, I highlighted that because it is so true. Like just to just a random thing. Like even just the, all right, we're going to go along with it. Like my best friend, Christina, that would be her. She's like, yeah. oh, you like the grapes. All right. <laughs> Are they seedless? Like she would do that. So the fact that it's so sad learning that, I mean, there are so many people that pass away and so unexpectedly and when they reach out, there's there's nobody there. You can join yeah. all the Facebook groups in the world. You can go to wherever, but to have somebody that genuinely cares and wants to be there for you is important. So when you don't have that, you do feel like you're lonely, abandoned, and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, and so many people, you know, lose like you lose one person and then you feel like you've lost so many other people because they don't, they're too afraid or they don't know how to relate to you anymore or, yeah. you know, they don't want to make mistakes. So they kind of stay away or they have their own discomfort with like death and grief. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, if we can all just kind of, you know, as I say in the book, like be prepared to make mistakes and just kind of like lean in and have the courage to like continue to love your person as they figure out how to live with this, like everyone is going to be better off. Like that's how you remain friends. That how you, that's how you get to like show up at each other's weddings, like yep. three years down the road and when babies happen and, you know, these big life things that are good that get to be celebrated, like that's how you stay together. Like when you're there for each other through like the really bad things, like those relationships get stronger and you get to be in each other's lives forever. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's so, like you said, I mean, I feel like when something does happen to some people, it's then it's kind of like, oh, well, I can't relate to you, like you said. And it's, then it's like, you kind of, when something traumatic or devastating happens in your life, I feel like you really know who is actually there for you and who is not. And- mm -hmm you your people and your person and you know to lean on and i think that that's kind of blindsided sometimes cuz you think this person this happened to me i need you i'm reaching out to you and it's like well mm, i don't really know what to say and then it's kind of like oh all right thanks you know right. in a sense yeah in a sense. absolutely the thing that gets me so wound up in situations like that is like it's not actually that hard like no. what I teach in the book, it's not rocket science, really, right? It's like a no. few basic skills of like being able to ask specific questions, reflect what you are hearing, like yep. empowering this person that you care about, to like be the leader, tell tell you what they need, and you go from there. And it's really that simple. So for someone like if I reached out to a friend and they were like, like silent, for example, yeah, <laughs> they ask me how I am. I tell them honestly, because they're a good friend of mine, how I'm doing. And then they never respond. Like, I'm like, what did I, what did I do wrong? The hard thing about being bereaved is that often like you didn't do anything wrong. Like I had no role in Will's death and yet it affected me so significantly and to be left out in the cold by someone because of that situation is really unfair and unjust oh right? absolutely like if we love people if we love people unconditionally like this is where unconditional gets put to the test oh yep <laughs> you know 100 percent. 
Yeah. So if you do love someone unconditionally, like, yeah, you're going to be afraid. You're, you're not going to know what to say in some situations. You're going to make mistakes. But hopefully with Grief Ally and the lessons in the book and, you know, the, your community being all being able to like lean in, the bereaved don't have to experience more loss on Absolutely. top of losing this person that they care about. Yep. I I love that. <laughs> I just love all like honestly, like like I I know I've said it before, but this book really opened my eyes and really pinpoint of kind of sitting back as well and kind of seeing who I already surround myself with and seeing if, you know, are they actually my persons? If that mm-hmm. makes sense in a yeah. in a sense of a way because when you go through something traumatic, whether it's unexpected or expected, you know, you always feel the need to want to reach out or sometimes don't. I'm the type of person that if I am having a bad day or something is going on, like I kind of like to keep things to myself. And that's my issue because I don't like to express myself, you know, and then because I always have a fear that it's they're going to be like, oh, well, tomorrow's a new day. And I mean, yeah, it is a new day, but I'm trying to tell you that I'm not having a good day. And, it's, yeah. you know, and that's my thing. Like my best friend, Christina, I know if I called her up, she'd be there, but it's kind of like she lives 600 miles away from me. I uh, miss her every day. But, <laughs> you know, I have Brendan and I have my family and I have uh, Chelsea and and Judd but, um, and Willie. But other than that, I don't really, I can't say I reach out. Like I've cut so many people off because you realize that, they aren't really there for you when you need them in a sense. Cause mm-hmm. I didn't go through a death, but I did go through something uh, back in 2020 that changed a lot for me. And I really found out who was there for me because they wanted to, and who was there for me because they were nosy or not mm-hmm. really kind of like shy of a genuine, Oh, I'm so sorry, but it wasn't, you know, and right. really opened your eyes to everything. Absolutely. And that's a great point too, that like, the lessons in the book don't necessarily have to be related to a death-related loss. Absolutely. Like, grief happens in all sorts of situations, whether that's, mm-hmm. you know, a change in relationship, a change in a job, moving to a new city, becoming a mother. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, all these things change how we relate to the world in some respects. And they're hard. Oh, yeah. Um, so having a community around you that is able to, you know, respect the experience that you're going with and empower you to like, say like, hey, I'm here, I'm listening, like, how do I help? And, you know, just loving you unconditionally through through that experience and like the really, you know, tougher times that happen, like, that's real friendship. And that's what, you know, real authentic human connection looks like too. Like, oh, absolutely. How to be a really good human to other people. Yep. <laughs> yes. You how know? to be a, I love that. How to be a good human <laughs> to other people. I love that. Oh my goodness. I mean, you did a phenomenal job on this book and I know they can find resources other places too, though. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the book has a, a master resource list at the end of it. Um, yes. But if you get the audiobook, you can find the master resource list on my website or in my uh, Instagram profile. Um, and it's like everything that I recommend um, in terms of looking for, you know, more science on grief or um, other like memoirs that I feel really portray what loss looks like. Um, that sort of thing. You can also go to my website and look at my services. So I do workshops and coaching 
and all that too. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. And then, so the book I personally got on Amazon, is that the only place that- You can get it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Oh, okay. Um, if you're in Canada, uh, Chapters Indigo. Um, oh, okay. Also, you can request it if you're a uh, a fan of local bookstores. You can ask your local bookstore to order it for you as well. So oh, they get perfect. Okay, yeah. perfect. So that gives you a plenty of of spaces. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. And I, we mentioned it before, but it is also available as an audiobook if that's the way you prefer to consume information. I definitely love to read a book, but audio when I'm in the car. I read this paperback, and then I also listened to it audio. That's how I am. <laughs> I was, it was, I, I love it. Sometimes I will listen to listen and read at the same time. I just find that yes. easy for my brain to to learn new things. Absolutely. I'm the same way. Absolutely yeah. the same way. <laughs> but I really appreciate you taking the time to sit with me. I'm so sorry Chelsea wasn't here, but oh, me too. Please tell her I say hello. <laughs> I will. I will. But um we are going to put a link um to your book from Amazon on our uh Instagram Latte Talk About podcast. And um um, I, we're also going to uh, put your website. So if they want to look for other resources, they are able to do that as well. So um, if you guys have any questions, I'm sure you guys can find much there or you guys can reach out. And um, we hope to see you guys next Tuesday. Thanks so much for having me, Elena. It was Thank wonderful you to chat with you. so much, Allie. Oh my gosh. I love it. <laughs>